What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out over there, whether it be these podcasts, my weekend articles, different Twitter threads. It's all in one place, so go check me out over on the Bird app. What we're going to be doing today is pretty standard for us. We'll look back at some of yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the waiver wire, see who's being added, who's being dropped. And then we'll talk about some pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eye on tonight. Usually I pick one, sometimes two. Tonight there's like three or four, even arguably like five pretty solid pitching matchups. So before I let you go at the end of the show, we will talk about my favorites over there. But we're going to start off today with Mr. Bo Bichette's. Yes, Bobachet, he's been pretty damn disappointing, I think, as a whole this season. You probably drafted him in that first round. You did draft him in the first round, probably as a top five pick. And he hasn't really returned that so far this season, but he really went a long way towards fixing that yesterday. Doubleheader for the Blue Jays. They won both games against Baltimore, 7-3 and then 8-4. And Bo went 6-10. for Now, the big story was not in the first game. It was in the second game where he hit three home runs. I want to talk about Bo's numbers before yesterday and then after. So before they started play yesterday, Bo had 70 runs on the season, 18 homers, and 71 RBIs. 70, 18, and 71. Today, those numbers sit at 73, 21, and 78. And his average also got a boost from 266 to 272. Obviously, as a whole for the season, we're still a little bit disappointed But we're within spitting distance here of what he did last season. The only real change has been the stolen bases. The runs, you could argue as well, but runs are not something you can really blame on Bo. The Jays have been really solid offensively. It's just been more with runners in scoring position, two outs kind of thing, that they're not driving in those guys for getting on base. And granted, he's not getting on base as much as he was last year, but I don't think we can attribute such a drop-off in runs to him. He had 121 runs last season. There's going to be some natural regression in there. That's a crazy high total. But 21 home runs compared to his 29 from last season, you'll take it. He has 78 RBIs. Last year was 102, but, you know, figure over these last couple weeks, he'll, I mean, he's hot right now, so who knows. But let's just say another 12 RBIs, so he ends up with 90, and he's batting within 20, 25 points of where he was last season. So, yes, it is unquestionably still disappointing for Bo. We were hoping for another top five season. But something we've talked about here on the pod is that those top five, ten picks, really anywhere in the first round. It's very hard to achieve that year on year. There's very few players who you will draft in the top five, who you will draft in the top ten, who will actually end up returning that value. I just quickly want to go through like the main home league that I do in the draft and just really, really quickly talk about where these guys are ranked at this point of the season. So Trey Turner went number one, and he is the number four ranked player. All good. Bo Bichette, he went number two, and he's in the 60s right now. Jose Ramirez, number three, he's the number eighth-ranked player. And then Guerrero, he's 25. Juan Soto, he's 73rd. Corbin Burns, 27. Mike Trout, 84. Bryce Harper, 110. Garrett Cole, 40. Freddie Freeman is number five. So there's only a few guys within that first round, those first 10 picks, who really returned that kind of first-round value. So you can't be so upset about what Bo is giving you at the end of the day. He's still pretty damn close to what he did last year. And I think that probably you'll get him cheaper in drafts next season than you should have. I know well, we're going to have Rob DiPietro on the show. Probably I think it's going to be Friday where we end up talking about um, a little bit about his NFBC draft that he did, the draft and hold, and a little bit about stuff for next year as well. But the thing with Boba Shett in that particular draft, he went in the third round of a 15-team league. He was the 32nd overall pick. 
If he's going to pick 32 next season, I think that's a huge discount for Bowen. I think that you need to be hopping on him if you can get him in that range. In the third, maybe even the fourth round of 12-teamers, I think that it's definitely going to be something that you have to take into consideration. Now, obviously, it's the way it works. We saw it with Francisco Lindor this season. A bit of a down year last year. More than a bit of a down year. He had, he had, he had a down season. And his ADP fell from, I think, like 10 to 50 in the span of one year. And this year, he was a great bargain. So... I think we're going to see something similar with Bo Bichette uh, heading into next year. Is he elite still? I think he is. I think that from a fantasy point of view, even with the steals drop off, he can be an elite an elite tool in, first of all, in a great Blue Jays offense at a premium position like shortstop. I do think that Bo will be probably heading back into that top one or two rounds worth of value next season. After I just got through telling you how hard it is to predict that, but I do think that we will see a jump up from Bo. And even, you know, he's been so hot since, really, I think it's been about a week now, maybe a week and a half. He could still find himself in the top 25 or 30 by season's end. I think it'll be maybe a little bit hard, but it, it's totally within the realm of possibility. If he goes and continues this hot streak, obviously three home runs in one day, do a lot for your overall rank. I think he jumped up like 17 overall ranks for the season in terms of total value, not per game, but total value on Yahoo. I think he was like 70, 74 and he jumped up to 50 something. He, he had a pretty sizable jump from that one game. So a few more hot games. And I think that we'll probably see Bo potentially getting you those championships. Like you hoped he would at the beginning of the year, obviously the, the trajectory wasn't what you would have thought it would be, but if he can turn it on and win you championships right now, I think that all will be forgiven for Bo Bichette. Let's move on and talk about Lance Lynn. Now I'd said after his previous few starts, I wanted to see him do it against a slightly higher level of competition. Uh, he beat up on Kansas, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Detroit, which, I mean, Baltimore's been very good. Cleveland has been a pretty good team. But overall, those four teams, uh, if you told the starter those are going to be your next four matchups, they're going to be pretty happy about it. He did it last night against a much stronger Seattle team. Seven innings, three hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. He also got the victory. I'm totally in on Lance Lynn now for the rest of the season. I, I figured it would just be... A little bit of an adjustment after missing so much time to start the season off. I mean, he first pitched, I think it was in June this season is when he came back, late June, and it was dreadful. It was really dreadful, and you were actually finding him on waiver wires in a lot of cases. He fell down to about 80% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's back up to 89% now, so very unlikely you're going to find him in any league that's you know deeper than eight teams. Like He's not going to be available. He's, he's really not. Maybe there's a, a few, but... Uh, I don't even think it's really worth, I mean, you're just going to throw a name into the search bar if you're going to see if he's available or not. It's not that much of an ask. I just don't think that there's really going to be that much need for it. He's probably taken up already. But if you have uh, Lance Lynn, you're ecstatic at this, and you're really ecstatic because his next start is going to be coming against the Athletics. So he's going to be helping you win a lot of fantasy championships this season. In terms of next year where we're drafting him, I think we're going to be a little bit cautious, to be honest with you. Um, not that I don't have faith in Lance Lynn, but he is 35 years old. We've seen a few injuries now with him and I'm just, I'm, I tend to be a little more cautious. I've said this throughout the season. I'll take the guy without the injury history, even if there's a few more variables as opposed to probably a higher talent who has more of an iffy track record. And I think the couple of other guys on the White Sox really fit that bill this year. You know, uh, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. They're guys that are going to be kind of hard to draft next season. It's kind of a different situation, but similar because you just don't know what they're going to give you. I think if they're healthy, all three of those guys, 
Lynn, Jimenez, and Robert, if they're healthy, they're going to give you a really high level of production, but just are they going to be healthy? And with Lynn, you got the added thing of he's going to be, well, when is his birthday? He's 35 right now. Uh, he's born in May, so in the middle of next season, he'll be 36 years old. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about drafting him for next year. If he really falls, if he falls to like out of the top 100, then I'd probably take a chance on him. I don't anticipate that happening, which is why I think I'll probably be more out than in on him next year, but that'd probably be the range where I'd start to take a chance on Lance Lynn in the 100-ish. Without, and I mean, I haven't actually made any projections or rankings or anything like that for next year, but just off the top of my head, like if he's going to pick 70 or something, I think that's going to be a little bit too high for me personally. But still, he's done a great job this season. I have faith. I just don't know if I'm going to be investing in a whole other year of Lance Lynn at this point. And I think it's kind of similar. I'm not as worried about those other guys, but Scherzer and Verlander, those guys I have more faith in, but it's a similar kind of argument. How many more years are we going to invest preseason hoping that we're going to get six, seven strong months out of these guys? I don't know that I'm going to do it again with any of them, and I'll probably be burned on Verlander and Scherzer because those guys can just probably pitch forever. But I think it's, like I said, I'm going to be a little more cautious in terms of investing in guys who are a little bit older, some injury history, and I'm just, I don't know. I'd rather take the younger guy who's maybe not quite as established as opposed to those guys. Let's move it on here, though. I know we've talked about this a hell of a lot, but it is the main story across baseball right now. It's Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. They both, every night, they go tit for tat. Yesterday, it was Otani hitting two home runs. He drove in three. He scored three. He also doubled. And then Aaron Judge had a double and a home run himself. It's really, it's it's getting very hard to say on a given day what the voters are going to do. If you just go based on the sports books, then they're going to give it to Aaron Judge. And I think that, honestly, it's kind of disingenuous that these books haven't adjusted their lines a little bit. I think that, I'm just pulling it up right now, I think that Aaron Judge is probably going to win. But if you look at the way that he is favored in these odds, it just seems like a little bit insane to me. So right now, he's minus 1,100 for MVP. Otani is plus 650, when it really feels like a coin flip. And a lot of the smartest people in the baseball sphere and on Twitter and fantasy baseball-wise, they're telling you that Otani is the more valuable player. For me, personally, this year, I've talked about this, I'm going to be giving it to Judge if I had a vote. But I don't think it should be this far apart in the spread. I mean, plus 650, it's going to obviously be one of these two guys. But to have it be plus 650 for Otani with what he has done this season, I mean, I think it's worth a couple of bucks. I don't think I would throw a ton of money on it. But it's not something where you really have to throw a ton of money on it for it to be a worthwhile investment here. We're only talking about a month where your money be tied up for at plus 650, I mean, you only have to put down like 10 bucks for it to really be a decent wager. Um, if you want to go bigger, go bigger. Go smaller, go smaller. I just don't think that the books have properly adjusted. I think that they are just so zoned in on what the New York media is doing and they're, you know, the home run chase the judges on and Otani did this last year and blah, 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 blah. Understandable, but at the same time, like, it's, it's a little too far apart. So I honestly think that a couple of bucks thrown on Otani is the right thing to do. I, I did it a few, I guess it was two months ago now. I got it like plus 500 and I threw 20 bucks on it. I'm just going to leave it there. I could have cashed it out a couple times for not as much as I put into it and just, you know, kind of cut your losses there. But I think it's worth just holding out on. Otani could very, very realistically win the MVP still. I think it'll be Judge, but these bu- this book is not accurate. These books are really not doing the... Uh, 
doing the customers any justice, I don't think, in terms of setting accurate lines as for what it probably should be. Like, it probably should be, like, Judge minus 250, Otani plus 100. So, like, it's some, something in that range, plus 100, plus 200 maybe. This is, if you look at these books, you think it's a foregone conclusion, and, and it really isn't. It, it really truly isn't. Let's talk about Otani's teammate for a second here, Mike Trout. He has come back in a big way. He hit a home run again yesterday, and it's 30 home run season for Mike Trout again. Now, just to quickly mention that NF uh, that NFBC draft that Robbie Pietro and those guys did, Mike Trout went in the fifth round of a 15-teamer. I don't think that he'll go that far in go that uh, deep in most drafts. I think that he'll probably go a bit higher than that heading into next season. We're still talking about Mike Trout and the name brand value alone. I mean, this particular draft room, we're talking about a lot of people who really know baseball, people who write about baseball and podcasts and whatever. So maybe they're a little bit more cautious than the average person in your home league is going to be with Mike Trout. I don't think that if you're talking, you know, your standard Yahoo and ESPN and whatever the hell else, I don't think that we see Trout fall past probably pick 25 or 30 just based on who he is. Whether or not he's going to actually produce in that range is a whole different question and conversation. But, I mean, 30 home runs, he's gotten 345 at-bats. That is incredibly impressive. He's still batting 275, which uh, it's definitely lower than what you would want. But it's still, I mean, 275 in a day and age where people bat 240, 245 is the league average. The steals are what's going to be the big thing with Trout. And we've kind of known this for a couple of years now that the steals are not going to be there. He has one this season. He had two last year. Maybe he hits like five or six or seven steals in one of these next few years, but I think that's probably about the most you can possibly hope for with him, and even that might be stretching it a little bit. I mean, he's a guy in his rookie year. He stole like 50 bases, but we don't see that from him anymore, and I think it's kind of what we're seeing with Byron Buxton here as well. Just focus on the power. Try and limit your injuries going forward. I still think he'll be a pretty high draft pick, and obviously there's there's nothing you can do for this year. He's going to be in your lineup every single day, barring barring something bad, but he's just like... I don't know. It's hard to really even like quantify how good Mike Trout is. Even when he's not at his best, when he's dealing with his back stuff. He's 15 for his last 48, and six of those 15 hits are home runs. I mean, you, I honestly, you just feel bad for Trout and Otani at this point. I hope that the Angels sell the team. I hope that whoever they do bring in there, whoever does buy the team, can actually put a proper product around these guys. I know they've tried for years in Los Angeles to actually, you know, bring in free agents. It's not like they haven't tried. They've just went for probably, you know, a, a pretty poor group of names, if we're being honest here. A lot of guys who, I mean, Anthony Rendon, it's hard to criticize that signing at the time. That was a pretty solid signing. You think he's still young enough coming off World Series. Uh, you go back a few years, you look at Josh Hamilton, you look at Albert Pujols. A little bit more questionable uh, decision-making there. I hope that these guys do get to make the playoffs multiple times over these next few years. And even if it's, you know, someone comes in and wants to start over and trade them for a massive haul of prospects, then I would be totally fine with that. Just as long as there's some level of of decency for these guys going forward. I, I would hate to think that Mike Trout's entire playoff career is going to come down to that one series from like, what was it, 2014 or whatever it was, and he went like 1 for 12 or 1 for 13, and like that would be his whole playoff career. Like, no, that's that's brutal. It needs to change, and I hope it will. And that's my my very long way of talking about Mike Trout there. Went on a bit of a tangent, which we are known to do. But I think, long story short, the concluding sentence there for Mike Trout would be that I wouldn't let him fall so, so far in drafts next season. I think the fifth round of 50 and teamers 
is a little bit too far for Mike Trout. If he's sitting there around pick 50, pick 60, I think that I would absolutely be taking him. I don't think that he should be falling that far. Even without the steals, he can still be a top 15 or 20 fantasy player if he stays healthy. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be letting him slip so far. Obviously, we got a long offseason, and we got to see exactly what he does with his back. Maybe there's some kind of procedure he wants to do or some kind of something that happens there. But as of right now, I would not be letting him fall so far, personally. Let's talk about somebody a little bit more obscure now. That would be Ryan Nelson. And I wasn't really so big on adding him before this start. What he's done in AAA this season so far was not so great. A 543 ERA, a 1.39 whip. He's striking out less than a batter per inning. It hasn't been great. It really hasn't been great in AAA. But his Major League debut went seven innings, allowed four hits, and struck out seven against San Diego on the road. Really good stuff out of Ryan Nelson. And some people have added him up today, that type of year where some teams, especially you know in 15s, you're just chasing any kind of warm bodies you can that are producing. And I understand wanting to add him, but looking at the schedule, his next start, without it being announced as of what I'm seeing, would probably either take place in Coors Field or against the Dodgers. Those are the teams that he's lining up to face next time out. And that's going to be a big no for me there. I think that that's where we're pushing it. We're getting a little bit too risky. I mean, even San Diego was pretty risky. You weren't going to add him up for that start. But if we're talking either of those two, Coors or or the Dodgers, uh, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can do it. And he might do very well. Uh, he might do well. But just given his track record in the minors so far this year, he's not giving you tons of strikeouts most of the time. I'm I'm going to be passing. Uh, outside of very deep leagues, uh, I'm going to be passing on Ryan Nelson here. I don't think that he really warrants an ad. Let's talk about Hunter Brown, though. He also had his debut. He went six innings. He struck out, uh, what was it, five batters? Yeah, he struck out five batters over six innings, gave up three hits and one walk, and he also got the victory. Hunter Brown, a lot more confident that he'll have value rest of season uh, than Ryan Nelson. So far, uh, across AAA this season, uh, 255 ERA, 134 strikeouts and 106 innings. Uh, really good stuff for him there. His next start, I'm not sure who his next start will be against. As of right now, as the time of recording this, they have not announced it. But just taking a look at their schedule, I guess we'll do it here together because I'm not sure who it would likely line up against. But let's see. Uh, I th- Ooh, it's looking pretty nice. One, two, three, four. It'll either be against the Angels or the Tigers. That would be very interesting. And the series after that, should they push him even farther, is against the Athletics. So they got a good little stretch of opponents coming up here. Hunter Brown is, I think, worth an ad in most cases. I think 12-team leagues and deeper, he really warrants your consideration. Even just pitching for the Astros, even if he wasn't as promising as he is, you'd probably still think about it just because the wins are going to be coming a lot more regularly than they would come for some other players. Now, he's already up to 30% rostered on Yahoo. He's jumped up 11% over the last couple of days. I would be going ahead and adding him while you still can. 12 teams and deeper. I don't think he really cuts it in 10s. There might be some deeper 10s where you could make the argument, but I think anything 12 and deeper, a Hunter Brown makes for a really strong ad. Let's move on to our waiver wire portion of the show where I just talk about the most added and dropped players across fantasy today. The number one ad is Kyle Bradish. Might come as a bit of a surprise, but he's coming off of two really strong outings against Cleveland and Houston, totaling 15 shutout innings. He got the victory in both, and he struck out 11. He does face the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays are surging right now. I'm not sure that I'm going to trust Kyle Bradish at this point of the year. I know he's coming off of two really good starts against pretty good teams, specifically Houston, 
but I think it's a trap. I really do think it's a trap. He's not going to give you such crazy high strikeouts for the season. Still a five seventeen ERA for the, for the bulk of the year. He's not been very impressive, and he gets a Toronto team that is currently in the middle of finding its stride. So I think that Kyle Bradish is a little bit too risky for me today. We're still very early in the week and head-to-head. If you start him and it's a bad start, you might just set that bad tone for your week. And usually I don't stay away because of that. Usually my philosophy early in the week is to just start them. You start them all, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you start to worry about who you're sitting, who you're streaming, and whatnot. I just don't think the Kyle Bradish is really going to cut it here for me. The next guy I'll mention, I would rather stream him if you're going to go for somebody today. And if not, then I'd probably just hold off because it's not the deepest of days. But I think the best option, and we mentioned it on yesterday's show as a two-start option, is Jose Quintana. He gets the Nationals tonight. He's available in less leagues. He's 37% rostered, where Bradish is 15% rostered. But Quintana does have that juicy two-step where he's got Washington, and then later in the week he will get uh, Pittsburgh. So that's about as strong as you're going to get. I've added him up in a couple of different cases, and he hasn't been so, so great, but he's given you... I mean, just less than a strikeout per inning. He's got 110 strikeouts and 132 innings. So a little bit less, but he's probably, you know, giving you on average five-ish strikeouts per start. These last couple have not been quite that many. It's been a little bit of a rougher path, one against Cincinnati and three against Atlanta. But at Great American Ballpark, that's a tough one. Against the Braves, that is also a tough one. So I'm, I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass there. Over the last month, 23 innings, he got a 3.86 ERA. For the season, it's 3.47. And yes, there haven't been many wins for him, but he spent a lot of the year pitching for those same Pirates. So I think that he's a really strong option. That, that two-step, that combo of Washington and Pittsburgh is about as strong as you're ever going to see in a given week. If you're looking for pitching, I would look Quintana's way over Bradish. I think that there's just not as much risk associated with picking up Quintana. And I don't think that Kyle Bradish is going to have a second start this week. I think because they have that off day on Thursday, I think it'll just be one start for him. So Quintana would be my guy here if you're looking for a pitching stream today. Let's talk about Elvis Andrews. He's been added up quite a bit today, and he has been a really strong option for the White Sox since he's been there. Uh, over these last two weeks, he has 54 bats, 17 hits, three home runs. He's batting 315, uh, 10 RBIs. He's done a really good job for them. And specifically over this last week, that's when all three of those home runs have come. So I'm all right with an ad of him in like a 15-team league. He's getting regular playing time. Usually batting at the top of that lineup. He's batted 6th, 7th, 8th a couple times. But recently, these last few games, he's been leading off of them. And it's worked very well. So I would go for uh, Andrews in a 15 and then maybe maybe a deeper 12 if you want to stream him in while he's hot. I think that's an all right option, but I think he's probably more reserved for deeper leagues. If you look at what he's done for the whole year uh, between Chicago and Oakland, it's actually not that bad. 49 runs, 43 ribbies, 11 homers, 8 steals, a 248 batting average. He's really not that bad. I just do think he's probably more of a deeper league guy to consider. The next guy being added up is Jake McCarthy. I was a little bit hesitant here, especially once Corbin Carroll got called up. I wasn't sure about playing time, what was going to happen. But he's still playing. He's still producing. Yesterday, he stole two bases. The day before that, he had a home run. Over the last month, he is the third-ranked fantasy player, and he's put up one of the most the gaudiest stat lines I've seen from a relative nobody this season over the course of a month. So 16 runs and 23 driven in in one month. That's beautiful in and of itself. If that was all there was, that would be incredible. But four home runs, nine steals, and a 341 batting average in that time frame. He's, he's got to be added up at this point. I was worried that he would lose a lot of playing time, but he hasn't. He's still going out there. He's still producing. 
and he's still 54% rostered. So I think Jake McCarthy, if he's still available, you need some outfield help. You need some steals and maybe even a little bit of power mixed in there. Uh, go for Jake McCarthy. He should be a pretty strong option. Uh, John Schreiber is being added up here because he's getting saves out in Boston. He's gotten the last two save opportunities for them. It's another situation, another team where it's kind of hard to say who's going to get the saves on a given day, but I think it'll probably be mostly Schreiber. Uh, I think if you really desperately need a closer, he's an all right option. He's up to 37% rostered. Not that he's the most consistent guy, but if he is going to get those save ops, then he's he's probably going to be worth it. He's kind of risky because the Red Sox haven't really been solid with their closers this year. They've bounced around between Whitlock and Hauk and uh, Barnes at the beginning of the year, and it's kind of just a bit of a mess to keep track of. Right now, it seems to be Schreiber. If you want to ride that for the short term, go ahead. He might be able to maintain that role the rest of the season as well. So I'm, I'm not so opposed to adding him for right now. Wade Miley is the next guy we'll talk about as an ad. He's not somebody that I'm really going to be looking into. He's been out since June with some shoulder trouble. And while he was pitching this year, he has 19 innings. He had a 2.84 ERA. He was fine. I just don't really trust anybody off of long IL stints and whatever the injury is, whether it's back, foot, knee, arm, whatever. But especially when it's a shoulder problem, he's facing Cincinnati. So it's not like, you know, the greatest offense in the world, but he's really not going to be recommended for me. People are adding him more than 2000 leagues on Yahoo have added him up today. But I think we're still looking at a pretty risky option here outside of extraordinarily deep leagues. So for me, Wade Miley, Unless we're talking 15-plus, I would be leaving him alone here. Let's talk about some of the more popular drops today. And the number one is going to be Jose Suarez. I think it's a bit of a surprise. He's coming off of a really good start here against Detroit. Seven innings, he got the victory, struck out seven, no earned runs. Over the last month, he's thrown 30 and two-thirds. He's gotten three wins, 31 strikeouts, and a 235 ERA. He's strung together a few really good outings in the previous time before this. It was against the Yankees. Next time out, he gets the Guardians in Cleveland. So maybe some people just really need that roster spot and they want to stream him in or they streamed him in and now they need to get rid of him. That's totally fine. I do think that he does have some value here, though. Uh, just the way he's been pitching recently, obviously he's not going to be one of the more exceptional pitchers, but I think 12-team in deeper leagues, uh, Jose Suarez should be on roster. So if he was dropped, he's been on a roll right now. I wouldn't be so opposed to speculatively adding him, not necessarily today, but maybe the day before or day of his next start, which will come, uh, I don't have a day in front of me here, but it'll be next week against Cleveland. The next guy being dropped, it's Andrew Heaney. And, you know, I've gone back and forth on Andrew Heaney a little bit. For the most part, I was out, and then he looked really, really strong, striking out eight, ten batters every time out. So I was thinking, shit, like maybe Andrew Heaney is actually, you know, he's like Tyler Anderson now. He's gone to the Dodgers, he's figured it out, he's really good, blah, blah, eh. He's still Andrew Heaney. He gave up four home runs yesterday to the Giants, and he gave up, I think, three home runs in the game before that, or was it two games before that, maybe? He's prone to giving up home runs, Andrew Heaney. While he is striking out batters, he's also given up quite a lot of runs. And over the last month now, that ERA that was once sparkling, over the last 24 innings, it's now at 563. 41 strikeouts in those 24 innings, and that's still really strong. I just don't have much faith. I really don't have much, if any, faith in Andrew Heaney. I've, it's hard to really know where you stand on him. For so many years, seeing such mediocrity, and even not even really mediocre play, it's been worse than that. He's been a bad pitcher. To now you know, seeing him per- perform a little bit, getting some, not really so many victories, but just going out there and giving you quality innings. And now it's bad again. Now it's been a lot of home runs recently, and not getting those victories, only one in the last month there in those 24 innings. So 
I'm I'm not so sold on Andrew Heaney as I once was, which was a couple of weeks ago. It's really been a roller coaster with him. But I, I don't think that he is must roster outside of maybe 15 team leagues. If you're talking 10, 12 teamers, I think that for the most part, you can get rid of Andrew Heaney unless you're just desperate in need of strikeouts and you don't really care about your ratios or whatever else. Most people aren't going to be in that spot, and I do think that you can be moving on from him in, in most cases here. I think Martinez, people are also moving on from him. He has not gotten a save now going back uh, about a week. Josh Hader got one in there. They haven't really had an opportunity recently, but it's time of year where you just need constant production. He hasn't been giving it to you recently. His last outing, he gave up a couple of runs. So it's understandable that we're moving on from Nick Martinez here. I do think that Hader will... I've said this many times. I think that he will eventually be that full-time closer again. Um, he also gave up a run yesterday, so it's not been the smoothest sailing for him either. But I don't know that Nick Martinez is really going to be cutting it right now when it's kind of in flux whether or not he'll have any kind of value. I'm sure he'll get like another save or maybe two. He'll, he'll pitch a few more valuable games probably, but his last two outings he's given up two earned runs in each of them. I don't think that he has a ton of faith right now from the manager. I'm okay to be dropping him. He's someone we, we warned, like, yeah, he's an ad, but don't get too attached. Be ready to drop him, and the time has come now, I think, for that drop. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, he's another guy being dropped. He's a streamer at best. He's not someone who gives you a lot of strikeout numbers. He somehow has 10 victories after, again, having 10 victories uh, last season. He's just not really giving you much else in terms of production. 83 strikeouts in 153 innings. You streamed him in. It was pretty good. The next start will be against the Braves on Sunday. It's a little too risky for me. I'm going to be passing on that one there, so I'm okay to drop him. Let's talk about a very sad one for me now. Justin Steele is one of the more dropped players today, and he was placed on the 15-day IL this morning, retroactive to September the 2nd, so that's a good thing at least. It takes away four days off of that IL stint. But he's got a lower back strain. Now, the news has gone from good to bad to worse for Steele. It started off with, we're going to have two starts from Justin Steele this week. I think it was Reds and Giants. I think that was what it was supposed to be. And then it was, he's going to pitch on Sunday. We've pushed him back a little bit, and now it's IL for him. He had been so great over his last six, seven starts. I've tweeted about him. I've talked about him here. I've written him up in articles. I've been one of his biggest fans but it's going to be really, really hard to hold on at this point. Maybe you have free IL slots. The thing is, it's not an arm problem, so maybe when he comes back, it's not going to impact him for you know having to have shorter outings. I think when he does come back, they'll probably let him go. But it's like we're at that point where you might only have two weeks left in the season. You might only have this week. You may, maybe you've got three weeks, but you can't really afford to miss two weeks with a guy like Steele on the IL. If you have a free spot, throw him on there. But I think in a lot of cases, we are unfortunately going to have to say goodbye to Justin Steele. It sucks. I'm going to be interested next season because I think he'll be pretty much dirt cheap. Nobody's really taken much interest this year. Even while he's been performing, he still only got up to about 38% rostered at, the, at his peak. So I think that he'll be a pretty heavily discounted guy next season. I mean, we'll see what happens with his last couple starts this season. Assuming he does start again because who really knows? Man, sad one, sad topic. But I do think that we'll be buying the dip on uh, on Justin Steele as we head towards next season. Let's talk about a couple of matchups for tonight before I let you guys go. There are really a few that should be worth your time. And I said five off the top. It's honestly like, I think even six where you could argue here. Another one just kind of caught my eye. Rich Hill and Drew Rasmussen. Obviously, Rich Hill 
kind of up and down. He did have a really strong start his last time against Tampa. It was seven innings, three hits, and 11 strikeouts. He absolutely dominated them. Where Drew Rasmussen on the other side of that has just been really steady now going back for like pretty much the entire season, but specifically since like beginning of July. He's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So that one, first off the top there at 640, that should be pretty interesting. All night games tonight. Everything starts at 635 p.m. Eastern or later. The second one we're highlighting starts just five minutes after. Jesus Lazardo and Aaron Nola. Obviously, Lazardo, we've talked about him quite a bit this year. It's been a bit of a roller coaster to roster him. I still think that he does have value in fantasy leagues, and it's not really reflected in his roster percentage. Let me take a look because it's kind of up and down a little bit. I think it's like seven or oh, 58. He's at 58% right now. So there's still room for uh, Lazardo in some leagues. It hasn't been as great as we would have hoped this season, but he still has a 344 ERA plus strikeouts. He's done a pretty solid job. It's a bit of a risky option here against Philly on the road, but still a very solid option. On the other side, Aaron Nola did his very best to get me eliminated from my home league last week, but I was able to sneak into the next round. He allowed eight earned runs and 10 hits while only striking out five against Arizona. It was an absolute nightmare for him. His ERA jumped from 308 to 343. But we've got to have a lot of faith in a bounce back here against the Marlins. It's a really good matchup for him. Not that Arizona wasn't a good matchup, but we've got a pretty piss poor offense here uh, in Miami. I was about to say the Florida Marlins. In the Miami Marlins, Nola should be able to get himself back on track here tonight. The next one we got is Joe Ryan and Garrett Cole. Joe Ryan, obviously not quite the guy we thought he was at the beginning of the season. It's been a bit of a struggle for him, but he's still a very talented pitcher. Sometimes he gets really blown up. Sometimes he has phenomenal outings. So hard to know which version of him you're going to see tonight. But on the other side, obviously Garrett Cole, still one of the elite pitchers in baseball, even though he can be prone for some shaky outings, give up some home runs. But he's still Garrett Cole. He's still an elite pitcher. He's still going to get some Cy Young votes this year. And this one, I think, is going to be really, really interesting to watch. There's a couple of others as we head into the later time frames. Specifically for me, Merrill Kelly and Joe Musgrove. I love what Merrill Kelly has done this season, just coming out of the blue and been really, truly one of the best options in all of fantasy. His last uh, his last start was seven innings, four hits, no earned runs, and seven strikeouts against Milwaukee. Joe Musgrove on the other side of the equation has not been his strongest these last few times out. His last game was good, uh, six and two-thirds and 11 strikeouts, but he did have a couple of walks. He did allow three earned runs. And the time before that, Five runs against Kansas. It hasn't been the greatest stretch for Joe Musgrove, but I think that this is a really good matchup for him. It should be a very entertaining game. The last one I want to highlight at the same time, not to the same degree as the other ones, but Johnny Cueto and Logan Gilbert here for the White Sox in Seattle. Obviously, Gilbert, maybe not quite as good as we thought, but we've talked about how bad his schedule was for a while. He's recovered pretty nicely now that his schedule has turned around and it's a bit more favorable opponent-wise. So, I like him here against the White Sox. On the other side, Johnny Cueto, we've known that for quite some time could be a blow-up game. And there was one a couple outings back against Arizona, seven earned runs, but he really corrected that against Kansas City. His last time out, five and a third, only one earned run and five strikeouts. A 293 ERA for Johnny Cueto across 129 innings pitched. It's really improbable. We've talked about that many times that there's probably going to be a bad stretch for Cueto, and maybe it was just that one bad start that he got out of his system. But right now, he's he's startable fantasy-wise. This is not the, the greatest of matchups, not the worst of matchups. Should be one where you just throw him out there, and maybe it doesn't work out so well. But he's, he's earned his way 
into starting lineups at this point of the season. Maybe not against teams like the Yankees or Jays or Astros or Mets or whoever, but against Seattle, I think that you're pretty justified in starting him. Guys, that's going to do it for us for today. I really appreciate you guys continuing to check out the show. Follow on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and continuing to subscribe, download, rate, review, and do all that on our show pages on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever else you can find us. Really appreciate all those five stars, positive comments. It helps people to continue to find the show as we head into the offseason. Views will start to head off. That is just what happens. Basketball, football, school, hockey maybe even. But we hope that you guys continue to check us out and hitting that thumbs up and subscribing. Great way to do it. Great way for other people to also find us. So, guys, I wish you all the luck in the world this week in your matchups. It's a very tricky time of year where you got to be very careful with your ads. Be very careful with who you're streaming in. Be very sure. Make sure you look at all the factors, opponents, lineups, who's starting, different matchups, different ballpark factors. There's a lot that should go into it because we are at the time of the year where championships are won or lost. So, guys, that will do it. Take care. All the best, and we'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.